Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. We all sit together. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord, faithing the unknown. If I can draw your attention to that verse we just finished reading in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2 that says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and what we shall be has not yet been made known. What we are going to be is still yet to be seen. But we know that when he shall appear, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as as he is. I was reading an article this past week on, pretty interesting article on the intricacy of the calibration of steps and stairs in particular. It's the kind of thing that we almost take for granted, the calibration of a step, the calibration of a stair especially once the stairs start. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in which you've tripped over a stair. I don't know if that's ever happened. I don't know if you've been going up a step and on your way up a step, if your foot is ever caught and you have fallen forward as a result of your foot catching on a step. It's absolutely possible that if that's happened to you, if you've gone to take a step and fell forward, it's possible that you just weren't paying enough attention. It's possible that you were tired. It's also possible that the calibration of the step is off just slightly. It's interesting. With just the slightest millimeter or two in the calibration of a step, your foot will catch because there's something that your body starts to do as you start to take steps. It adapts to the step, and if the inch is off, then you can trip. And so when they're making steps, when they're calibrating steps, they've got to make sure that the steps are a certain size and that the size match so that folk won't trip on a millimeter. Steps, it's just, it's something that we just take for granted. We've been walking for, before we could remember, we started walking. We were walking, we were babies, and we were walking when we were little, teeny tiny, and the ability to stand up and walk and take steps is just something that we don't really think about. But if we ever take a moment just to slow our minds down for a minute, and think about the steps that we take. When I was younger, we used to sing a song in the old church that said, order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. I want to walk worthy. Your calling to fulfill. Please order my steps 
and I'll do your perfect will. The world is ever changing, but you are still the same. If you order my steps, I'll praise your name. If you put your hand in the steps I take, not just catch me when I fall, not just rescue me from mistakes, but if you can talk to me and speak to me, if I can have a prayer life, if I can have a relationship with you, if you can tap me on the back of my shoulder and tell me which way to go and which way to take, if you order my steps, there's a praise that I have for God in him ordering my steps that's even greater than the praise I have for him just for him rescuing me. I'm excited that he's a miracle worker, but I'd be really hollery and really jumpy and really crazy if he can tell me where to buy land next. I wish I had a witness in the building. My wife and I were just talking the other day. We've been living in Durham now for 20 years. My Lord, 20 years. We're in Durham, North Carolina, in case you don't know where we are, where God lives here in North Carolina. He visits other places. He may shop in New York, but he lives in North Carolina. He may ski in Denver, but he lives in... Anyway, anyway, what I'm saying is wherever you may be around the world, and we were just talking about how when we got here, this is Durham, when we got here 20 years ago, if you were here in the room and Remember downtown Durham 20 years ago. Where would you be if you could go back in time and buy just a little plot of something, some little piece of something in downtown Durham? When I got here, there was tumbleweeds blowing down the middle of the street. Would to God that he could talk to me before something hit. Would to God that he could order my steps. Would to God that I could be aware of the steps I take. I'm trying to make a point. When I was younger, I remember this, this uh, cartoon with Bugs Bunny. It was a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And I used to watch Bugs Bunny all the time. Looney Tunes, Saturday morning cartoons. Cartoons weren't on all day. There wasn't a cartoon network. Cartoons was on Saturday morning, anyway. And then there was Schoolhouse Rock. Anyway, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm setting my age now. And so Saturday morning cartoons, I love Bugs Bunny. There was this one particular scene. We have searched for it. We tried to find it in YouTube because I wanted to try to show today. We just haven't been able to find it. But I, but where in this one particular, I don't know if you've ever saw it, Folk that are old as me, a little bit younger, older than me, God help you, glad you're in church, <laughs> where Bugs Bunny is standing on a building. He's on something that's about to crash. It's falling. He's on it, standing on it. It's about to crash. Right before it crashes, he's at the door. Right before the impact happens, he just happens to step out at the exact moment and ends up chill on solid ground while the thing that he was on is now destroyed. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's really cool. And I'm glad that I haven't had enough sense as a kid not to try it because if you're standing on something that's falling, 
the momentum of the thing that's falling, although it might look like you can just step magically onto solid ground while the thing that you were standing on is sinking and crashes, the truth is that the momentum of the thing you're on will cause your impact on the ground to match the impact of the building. You can't step from a crashing thing to solid ground without getting hurt unless a miracle takes place. And I would contend that if you think about how you got into this thing with God, how you got into this relationship with God, if you think about how you got saved, how you came to know the Lord, you literally were standing on sinkings. You were standing on a foundation that was crashing and right at the right time, you were able to step off of a crashing thing onto the solid rock of a relationship with God. And it took a miracle to keep you from experiencing the impact of your loss. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But most of us step onto this solid rock from a crashing place. They used to say back in the old day, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply, deeply, deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. I wish I had some church folk in here with me. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe in my love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. It wasn't me. Somehow God grabbed me and took a hold to me and I step out of chaos into the clarity of a relationship with God so that I can stand and say now are we the children of God that's the first verse in first John chapter number three says beloved what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are we went from crazy to child of God. We went from clubbing to child of God. You don't have to say amen. We went from twerking to child of God. We went from hell to God. We went from total heathen to child of God. We went from a mess to walking with the maker. We went from craziness to clarity with God. And I think that we often take for granted, where would you be without the Lord in your life? Where would you be if God hadn't grabbed you? Where would you be if you hadn't had an encounter with him so that he grabbed you from crazy to sanity? Something interesting happens when we get on this solid ground, though, because it's so interesting to me how we get to this solid ground and forget where we came from. 
We can get to this solid ground, and the next thing you know, we're so confident in who we are as children of God that we start thinking we know all kinds of stuff, and we start having all kinds of spiritual opinions, and we read a little bit of Bible, and now we're Bible scholars, and we're going to question what the preachers preach, and, and everybody thinks they know Scripture, and everybody thinks that they are able to exegete, and we, you get yourself a Strong's Concordance, and now you're aware of the Greek meaning and, and we forget that it was just a little while ago that you were crazy on your way to hell but you get a little Jesus and now you forget how crazy you were. <laughs> Bible says that the person who is forgiven much should praise much. In the room, I'm sorry, that's weak. I'm going to say that one more time. Whoever in this room, when you think about where God brought you from, when you think about where you were when he got you, when you think about how you was in the club, bottle full of bud, when you think about where you were, the louder you were in the club, the louder you ought to be in church. Don't you dare be the roof, the roof, and then get in church and get conservative. When I came out here, everybody should have been on their feet because everybody ought to remember when you was backing it up on some stranger you didn't know. Don't be no wallflower in God's house. The way that you enjoy the party is you're getting high on the way there. Oh, don't let me call you out. You ought to be listening to worship on the way here. By the time you're here, you ought to be a little bit high. When I stand to preach, you ought to be a little tore up. Don't nobody want to preach to you through the clarity of your sanity. You ought to be tore up from the floor up when you think about where God brought you from. And the bigger heathen you were, the louder you ought to holler. Don't start fronting and acting like you quiet. You can sit down, hallelujah, in the room watching around the world. Let somebody call you tomorrow and tell you you have a long, long, long lost auntie or uncle that was as rich as Bill Gates and they have just left you $5 billion. There's no way you'd be like, thank you very much. You will rip your clothes. You will run all around that neighborhood. You will smack your baby on the way. You won't care. You'll be completely undignified. Don't act like you are so served and so chill and so quiet. Don't nobody want your little hallelujah. Think about what you would do if they said billion dollars. Think about how you would holler if you hit that Powerball number. Don't act like it's just me. Think about where you would be if I gave you $500 million. But in church, you're quiet. We take for granted the step that we take. And then what's interesting is we get on solid ground. And once we get on solid ground, 
We like to take quick steps. We like to take quick steps because the quicker your steps, the less you have to think about them. If you want to think about your steps, slow down. Slowing down makes you think about your step. Slowing down gives you a good understanding of what kind of balance you got. Slowing down shows you what kind of power you have in one leg. And slowing down makes you realize that you are stepping from solid to what you hope is solid. Nothing makes you slow down. Nothing makes you think about the step like slowing down. Nothing makes you think about the step like stepping up. Most of us, most of us don't like steps. I'm going to wipe my face while I get folk a chance to be honest. Most of us are looking for escalators. Most of us are looking for elevators. Most of us are looking for something to help us up steps. Most of us get an attitude if we have to walk more than a couple of flights because steps takes a strength that walking does not. And one of the greatest challenges is to take a step that's high. Most folk just like to get on their solid ground and take steps that aren't that challenging because high steps make you think. For someone to call you higher, for God to call you higher, for a situation to call you higher, as a matter of fact, for higher, you need help. Oh, I need a witness in the building. There's a whole lot of folk watching saying, don't you take that step past Andy. Don't you do, don't you do it. Don't you do it. We want you on YouTube for the right thing. Uh, don't you dare try to take this step. This is like a box jump thing. And young folk jump up on top of this thing. I wouldn't even dare to even think about jumping on this. But what I'm saying is the higher step takes power. Some of us need help just getting up. My Lord, I wish I had some honest folk. Let you get on the ground and you trying to get your babies to help you and they got to brace themselves to get your hips up. And let alone for you to now face a higher step to take. What's my point? My point is that John, the Spirit of God is saying through John, beloved, now we are children of God. Something happens when we get saved, and we just love feeling like now we are the children of God without acknowledging the second part of the verse that says, but what we shall be has yet to be made known. Something amazing to me about how confident Christians talk how confident we can be in our right now 
we are the children of God without facing the possibility that there may be a what we shall be that has yet to be made known. It is the ultimate irony of a relationship with God. It is confidence in who you are now and faith for the tomorrow that still is yet to come. Because your future is undefined. Right now, you are a child of God. But what shall be has not yet been made known. And I want us to just allow that to sink in for just a second because if we are prepared to right now be one thing and still open to the fact that tomorrow we don't know. Right now, this is how we're having church. But what shall be yet to be made known. I'm having conversations and discussions with different pastors and trying to figure out post-COVID church. And I, I understand it. I was saying to a, pre a preacher just the other day that there was a time when no room was built to seat 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. This room at one time sat 3,000. That's about 2,500. There was a time when no one built a room this size because technology hadn't reached a place in which everybody could hear in a room that big. They built rooms that sat 200, 250. They had vaulted ceilings, acoustics, so that your voices would carry. I don't know if you've ever been in an old building like that with the great acoustics. They didn't do it just for the sound. They did it because they didn't have mics. They didn't have the monitors they didn't have the ability for your voice to carry and for somebody to be standing on a stage and somebody all the way in the back in a 10,000 seat arena be able to hear at the same time the technology hadn't caught there yet but as technology changed and as microphones changed and got smaller and now you have headsets and stuff, what happened was rooms were able to be able to be built bigger so that more people could hear through the technology of the microphone. Beloved, this is just another microphone. Right now, there's y'all are here in the room with me, praise God for that. But there's another microphone that is that camera right there, that is this phone right here. And so the way that church is being done is still to be defined. One of the worst things that you can ever do in life in your business, in your marriage, in your raising children, is to get too settled in now. Now's great, but you have absolutely no idea what tomorrow will hold. And so, although you like today, you better hold to God's unchanging hand because tomorrow may bring a problem that you don't know. And there is a weakness if you can only have peace when everything is like it is today.
First John chapter 3 is in essence saying, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and what we shall be has yet to be made known. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It's just a confirmation of this trait of Abraham. And we've been talking about Abraham for just a little bit. And I've been saying that we're children of Abraham and seed of Abraham, and, and we want to claim the traits of Abraham. We can't claim his stuff, so we want to claim the traits of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though it was undefined. Even though he did not know where he was going. I want to defeat today in this room and in everyone watching around the world. I want to forever strike down the fear of the unknown. You're going to have to face the unknown and you're going to have to face the unknown. I don't care how well you plan. Something's going to happen you didn't plan for. What shall be is not known. One of the significant traits of Abraham was the unknown didn't bother him. This is a word for humans who are creatures of patterns and habits. We go to the same places, we do the same things, we in the same way, we, 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 we go in a certain direction, there's a certain something that we do. This is one of the reasons why there were church folk who fought the COVID stuff so much. They still wanted to meet together. They didn't just want to keep meeting together just because they wanted to keep meeting together, but they wanted to meet together because they were afraid that people would get out of the habit of going to church. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. They know people. And after two years of being at home and having service at home, that you will create a new pattern of behavior and habit. And that folk who were in the behavioral pattern of consistently attending church would now get into the behavioral pattern of consistently staying at home and viewing it. And a part of our job is to be able to adapt to what shall be that is yet unknown. But for us to be all right about the fact that patterns can be broken by the undefined is a trait of Abraham. And I've been looking at Abraham, and I've been talking about these success powers that he has, and I've got five of them, and I'm going to try to see if I can get through at least two of them. Today, I talked about movement uh, as the first one, five life powers or five success powers, that if we can't claim Abraham's stuff, which we can't, by faith, we are the seed of Abraham, but we can't claim his land. We can't claim his things. It's over there. It's on the other part of the world. It's in the Middle East. So if we can't claim his things, we'll claim his traits. And I'm saying there are these five life powers, there's these five success powers of Abraham that I see when I look at his story that I want us to be able to claim. The first one is the power of movement. Movement is a success power. It's the point I've made. 
It's a success power that this is where I am, but where I will be is unknown. This is where I live now, but I don't know what God has in store for me. This is where I am today, but hey, who knows where God may lead me? Who knows where God may guide me? That I have to be careful not to overly define the blessing of God by being connected to any one particular place. Some people miss out on a blessing from God because he can only bless them in Tennessee. Because their mama live in Tennessee, and their cousin live in Tennessee, and they're from Tennessee, and they like ribs in Tennessee. And if you tell them, yeah, but there's a blessing that God has for you in Tallahassee, there's a part of them that the movement from Tennessee to Tallahassee can actually dissuade them from a blessing that God has for them in another place. There are some people that aren't being blessed simply because movement scares them. They never been there. They don't know nobody. They don't know where they're going to stay. They don't got no friends there. They are all of their comfort zone is here. But beloved, what's the point of your comfort zone if where you are isn't good? I know you're saying I may be broke, but at least I have friends. But I would contend that money might help you. Broke with friends is nice. Money alone ain't bad neither. I wish I had a witness in the building. Yeah, but who will I know? Don't worry about who you'll know. You'll be blessed. You'll own your own thing. The second power of Abraham that I want to talk about real quick in the few 15 minutes I have remaining is money. Abraham was rich. It's very interesting to me that the first person that God made a serious covenant with after Noah was Abraham who had something already. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. I know we love the story of nothing to something. I love that too. But the guy that God said we are the seed of was a somebody that had something already before he even got into this thing with God. There was already a something on him around money. There was already something on him. As a matter of fact, he had to have the courage to leave what he had to go to a foreign place for more. 
It would have been easy if he didn't have nothing. But we know that he had stuff because he had to take all of his goods and he had to take his property, he had to take stuff with. That means that he had to do exchanges so that the, the wealth he had could travel. And he leaves Ur, which is a pretty serious city, to go to Canaan, an undeveloped place because he's looking forward to the city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. But I just want us to acknowledge that he wasn't broke when God found him. So God appears to somebody that's got something. God appears to a businessman. We only have God appearing to prophets. We only have God appearing to holies. We only have God appearing to preachers. But I've been making this point several weeks. I'm going to make it again. That God appears to a man of money. God appears to a man of business and says, hey, if you leave here and go to the place I'll show you, I'll bless you even more than you've got now. I'll make you greater than even what you have now. I'll make your name great. I'll bless you so much you'll be a blessing. It's a power to make money because making money takes faith. I want everybody to say amen on all these points because everybody in this room likes money. Okay, great. Everybody like money. Don't nobody in here don't need no money. If you do, talk to me after service. I'd love to have a conversation with you about Victory Park. But most of us are looking for when the checks come. Today is what, the 27th? The 20, is today the 28th? See, the 28th. Today is the 28th. Most of us are halfway mad that it ain't the first already. Most of us need, I need, a in the room, I need a witness around the world. If you know when the first is, raise your hand. Stop fronting. You know when the first is. The 31st, when is it? Wednesday? Woo. You are waiting for that direct deposit to hit your account. Stop being fake, people. Tell the truth. You need your check. So I'm talking about money now, and so I want all of us to stop acting like we don't need money. Oh, never mind that, Pastor Andy. Can you move on to the next point? No, no, no. I'm going to take the next 10 to 12 minutes to talk about the fact that it takes faith to make money. And making money also equals comfort with the unknown. Because people who really have money are people who are willing to take a risk with money and maybe even lose money to make more money. People who really have money aren't people who just have a good job and just get their check. People who really have money are people that even if they have a job like that in which they get something consistent also have a something else that they're trying to sow into that they're trying to get to take off they got a little side hustle they got a little business they got a little dream they got a little something that they are just waiting to be big enough to take them out of the slavery of their nine to five I speak freedom over everybody in the name of Jesus, everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody that got to be somewhere by a certain time tomorrow, I pray God sets you free.
Every one of you that's thinking, what time is it? What time is it? Every one of you something is brushing your teeth and, uh, and stuff. Just know, as great as it is to be employed, just know to really make money, you will have to be all right with fear. You'll never make a lot of money if you can't be scared. If all you want is confidence, is all, if all you want is now, if all you want is now I'm a child of God, you will never get to wealth unless you're okay with the fact that what shall be is undefined. If you start talking with a financial investment planner or anybody like that, if you want too much of a guarantee, they'll end up not meeting with you and not doing business with you because they'll try to guarantee you all that they want to, but you're going to have to be all right with some unknown to make money. Now, Abraham has some money moves that I see in these stories, Genesis 12 and 13 and 14. I want to share them with you really quickly. I really want to give them all to you. And let me jump right into it and stop wasting time. Abraham money moves, okay? Number one, very practical. Number one, in my estimation, he goes from a renter to an owner. He's an Ur of the Chaldees. It's nice. It's a setup. They did Digs and excavations and archaeological digs, they found that the houses in the in Ur had courtyards and two floors. He he left fancy for his own that was rough. He goes, in my estimation, from renter to owner. He would rather own more that is rough than rent less that is perfect. This is just a concept. If we're going to have something for real, we'll have to get over our perfection desire. We'll have to be all right with the fact that it might make a little, we have to all be all right with the fact that we might not have granite yet. We might not have tiles yet. We may not have that yet. That may not be what it be because I would rather have 4,000 square feet of space that's mine and rough that needs work than, than 2,000 square feet that you own and I pay you rent for it. I'm going to make everybody say amen on that. I know there's this whole idea right now, everybody want to be a renter, but I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke renter off of you because there are so many benefits to your ownership you don't even know. Because if you ever get a good house and ever get some equity in it, then you could get something called a HELOC. And if you don't know what a HELOC is, then you need to take some classes on finances, but it's also quite possible that you don't own your own home. But if you ever own your own home, folk who own their own home can end up getting a home equity line of credit, which means now they have ways in which they can invest in business and other things based on the ownership of their own home. There's a reason why our people marched 
for home ownership. There's a reason why there was a battle for equality for home ownership. I'm going to speak a word. To, uh, there's a reason why we were kept out of home ownership. Black folk, there's a reason why they didn't want us to own anything is because ownership is power. But perfection was so held from us that we traded perfection for ownership. Abraham leaves Ur and goes to a place that he would inherit. When he gets there, the Lord says, look out. And he looks. He says, all of this land is yours. And Abraham was okay living in a tent on his own land than he was living in a high-rise apartment paying rent to somebody. All right, let me move on to the next one. That's a money move. Number two. Number two. On his way. I don't have time to look at the passages. You can read it. Genesis 12, 13. We're going to read 14 in just a second. But number two, he acquires goods and people. He acquires goods and people. See, it's hard to have money if you don't acquire good relationships on your way. Part of the problem that happens with a lot of us is by the time we get money, we don't have any of the relationships that we need to really keep money. Because when you really get some money, you need a good lawyer. When you, need, when you really get some money, you need a good accountant. When you really get some money, you need a really good financial planner. When you get some money, you need a good bank that you'll work with. When you get some money, you need an investment. You need a loan off. You need relationships. A lot of us get money and didn't acquire any people on the way. A lot of us get money and we kept the same broke people we always had. Now we got money and we don't have anybody else around us that knows what to do with money because all we did was try to acquire things and not people. Bible says that as Abraham's going on his way, he's acquiring goods, but he's also picking up servants, and he's also picking up people that can help him. He's also making connections and relationships with people. Folks say that to me sometimes. Well, you know, I can't move to that new place because when we get there, we're going to be the only ones there, and we don't have anybody, and nobody will help us with our kids. And I'm like, I know because you were so in pursuit of your career and so in pursuit of your degree and so in pursuit of your master's that you didn't acquire any people on the way. See, if you had been loving people and helping people and feeding people and serving people and being good to people, when you got to your kingdom, there'd be some people that would be there with you who will help you with your babies. But you were so monofocused on your degree because someone told you that the degree was enough. The degree's not enough if you don't have some people. If, don't nobody, if there's nobody to help you with your babies, that means that you haven't helped anybody. If you fed somebody in their rough moment, 
They'll be there for you when you come into your kingdom. Oh, I need a witness in the building. <laughs> so you have to acquire people and whatever you do, I'm going to throw this on the screens. Don't allow betrayal to make you give up on people. One of the things the devil likes to do is he likes to send Judases into your camp. Folks stab you in the back. Folks hurt your feelings. Folks make you feel a certain kind of way. That is not just an attack against you. It's an attack against your faith. Because what the enemy really wants to do is close you off from the new person that may come that really may be a benefit to you. You're so burnt from the person that hurt you that the new person that could help you is here, but you don't trust nobody no more. The devil is a liar. Let me break that off of you right now because if you are a king and a queen, you will always need folk that will help you and you can't get rid of all help because of bad help. But I'm so tired of talking to people who are telling me their betrayal story as to why they now are the only one that can watch their own child as their marriage falls apart. Last thing you want to do is let somebody three mess up your marriage. Then it'll be you and that three-year-old, and you'll be by yourself because you weren't able to prioritize and find somebody that you could trust to watch that little heathen so you could go to dinner anyway. Don't allow betrayal to make you give up on people. Number three. I'm running out of time, but it's good. Anybody hearing a word from the Lord? I'm trying to give you some practical stuff. Abraham was acquiring people on the way. Number three is management. Management. Management is a key to money. It's a key to making money. It's a key to having money. You'll never have money if you don't know where your money is. You'll never have money if you don't know where your money goes. Amen, light bulbs. You'll never have money if you have no idea where your money went. You have to manage your money. You have to manage your opportunities. You have to manage your time. You want to make money? You don't have time to party if you're trying to make money. For everybody who won't write me letters about how weed is a plant that God made, just understand, won't nothing stop you from making money like weed. Weed is here to make everybody happy who don't make no money. Well, I'm trying to make everybody clap. Now, if you worth $50 million, light it up, buddy. But what I'm saying to you is if you are on your way, the last thing you need is weed. You have to manage your age. You have to manage your time. You have to manage your years. You have to manage your opportunities. Anybody in this room can throw their hand up or online can throw their hand up and say, you had an opportunity that you missed that ain't coming back. Can you just raise your hand? I had opportunities I missed. They not coming back. They gone. You have to manage your time because it's the one thing you'll never get back. 
You'll never really have money if you don't manage what you got now. If you can't handle a thousand, you won't be able to handle a million. You won't. If you don't take care of your raggedy Toyota, you will not take care of your Mercedes Benz. I need a witness in the building. If you know me, every, you get in my car, folk get in my car, and they're like, oh my God, it's so clean. And I'm like, every car I ever had was clean. Because when I had a hoopty, I was practicing for when I had a nice car. And I washed my hoopty, bruh, and I vacuumed my hoopty, bruh. I waxed my hoopty. It was the shiniest hoopty you saw. It was mine, and it was paid off. Talk to me, boy. And it was paid off. But I'm trying to battle against this idea that you'll do better when you have more. I just need a witness. That's just not true. You making 30, and all of a sudden you making 60, and still don't know where your money went. That's a management problem. You can't manage 60, you won't be able to manage 160. You'll be just as lost with 160 as you were with 60. You have to be able to manage. You have to be able to manage the people that come around. You won't have money if you can't manage people. Now, one of the keys to managing people is you can't work with everybody you like. If you can't work with somebody you don't like, chances are you'll be broke. Some of us are so sensitive that anybody that works with us got to be our best friend. You don't have to be my best friend if you make me money. Oh, my Lord, help us, Holy Ghost. If you make me money, I don't even care if you're saved. If you make me money, I don't care. I was meeting with my lawyer, and when I met with him, and, you know, and he and he talked to me, and he was saying, he said to me, now, Pastor Andy, you know, I you're a pastor, and you're a real great man of God, and I I know you want me to be your lawyer. I just want you to know, I don't know if I'm as saved as you, and I'm like, that's exactly what I want as a, in a lawyer. Don't nobody want a saved lawyer? Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. I want an accountant just saved enough to get into heaven. You understand? I want an accountant that slides into heaven. I want an accountant where somebody comes and taps me on the shoulder and says, your accountant's out here. And I go out into heaven and say, can you please let my accountant in? That's what I want in an accountant. I want whoever is Trump's, I want Trump's people. I want them right now. They are trying to hide this Marlugger. Who know what this do? I want it to come out just so I can know what to do. I ain't mad at him at all. Tell me. If you are so Holy Ghost that everybody you work with got to have a prayer language. Listen, you are not going to get my business, Ika Mashundalin. You better know what you're doing. I'm going to tell you right now, if I walk up to you and you're like, Pastor Andy, 
You just put yourself in a situation where I might not do business with you at all. You just scared me. Tell me the numbers. If my accountant want to open in a word of prayer, I'm looking for a new accountant. I, I don't need no scripture quoting lawyer. I wish I had a witness in the building. I don't need, I need friends that are saved enough to be saved and heathen enough to lie to get me out of trouble. Anyway, let me move on. What I'm saying to you is you got to manage people right. You have to know how to be good to the help. You won't have help if you rude to the help. Be nice to the help. Be good to the help. Tip the help well. I tip well. They're handling your food. You go there all the time. You're going to get soup with something extra in it if you don't tip well. What I'm saying is, is part of the reason why we don't have nothing is we don't manage well. We don't manage people well. Number four, there's a story in Genesis 14 that I don't have time to read because I'm over time. But basically what happens is Lot and Abraham separate. And so now Lot has left from ownership to renting. You can read that on your own. And in the process of that, there is a war that happens and Lot is taken captive with his possessions. It's in Genesis 14. You can read it on your own. And when Abraham finds out that his relative has been captured and carried off along with all of his possessions, it says that Abraham calls out his 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So what that means is that Abraham was prepared for war. It's a money move. You won't have money if you are only prepared for the opinion and perspective of your friends. You have to be prepared for your enemy and his attack. A part of the people that Abraham acquired and raised and trained were people who knew how to fight. One of the saddest things is for you to find yourself in a fight and don't have nobody around you that knows how to fight and don't have nobody around you who's prepared to fight and don't have no around you that's anybody that's ready to fight because you sold Jesus that you don't have no trained men around you. As much as God has appeared to him, as much as God has spoken to him, as much as God has blessed him, Abraham has men, 318 men, they're so trained for war that he pursues an army and routs them. It's in Genesis 14. You can read on your own. His 318 men are some kind of Green Beret elite special forces group that the 318 of them defeat an army. 
You won't have money if you can't fight. Get money. Get an idea. Get a patent. Get a vision. Get a something amazing. If you have something amazing and an idea and you are not ready to fight for it, you won't have it long. Just because God blessed you with it don't mean that anyone won't try to take it. Oh, I need a witness in the building. You better have some trained fighters around. Don't get rid of all your fighting friends. Abram and Abraham and Abram and his 318 men pursue. They beat this army. And then after they beat this army, Melchizedek, king of Salem, comes. He brings bread and wine. He's the priest of God most high. Sound like communion. Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. He blesses Abraham. Says, blessed are you, Abraham, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Just so wonderful. For everyone that wants to argue as to whether or not tithing is a part of the law, the law hasn't even been given yet. Abraham gives a tenth to Melchizedek, who is priest of the Most High God. He gives a tenth to the place where he gets bread and wine. If I had time to break it down, I really would. Where he gets inspiration wine and bread word. He comes into contact with a place where he gets inspired and he gets word. And when he comes into contact with that, he gives a tenth to the place where he gets inspiration and word. Then after that, the king of Sodom says to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. And Abraham says to the king of Sodom, with raised hands, I've sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. See, after he tithed and after the priest blessed him, he didn't need the wealth of the wicked. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. He wasn't worried about the king of Sodom blessing him. As a matter of fact, he was saying, you never going to say you made me rich. It's God who blesses me. But, beloved, one of the money moves that Abraham does is he tithes. He finds a place where he gets word. He finds a place where he gets wine. And he says, oh, 
From this victory, I'm giving Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And Melchizedek, a type of Christ, blesses Abraham so much so that he's not worried about wealth from the wicked. And I would contend that tithing is a money move. Come on, everybody just clap. Tithing is a money move. It is a money move of Abraham. We can claim giving God a tenth, and tithing isn't just giving God a tenth. <laughs> tithing is you saving a tenth. Tithing is you investing a tenth. You have to look at the hundred and know what's going on with the tenth. You already tithe. Everybody in this room tithe already. Whether you tithe to God is different. You already tithe. You tithe to the government. <laughs> Say something to me. The difference is they don't wait for you to give it. They take it. FICA. They, and it ain't a tenth neither, baby. Oh, no. You got federal and state. Take it right out your check. And then at the end, around tax time, they make you do a report to see, do you still owe them? So since you're giving a portion to the government, and you might as well give a portion to God, a portion to your retirement, a portion to your investments, you can't eat all your seed. But a money move that Abraham made is he was a tither, gave God a tenth, came into contact with the priest of the Most High God, and he gave him a tenth. One of the things that I want to challenge all of you as best I can is if this is a place where you get word and wine, if you get bread and wine here, if you are consistently fed here, if you consistently feel like going on here, you a member here, you a visiting member, you a regular online visitor, and you're a regular online member, and you are consistently here, might I invite you to be a tither? Did you know that if everybody tithed, we would need a bank? If everybody tithed, we wouldn't need a bank. Everybody just gave a tenth. We wouldn't need a bank for the, for the vision. If everybody just tithed. If everybody just said, okay, I'm going to give God a tenth of what I make. God said, test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. I want you to bow your heads for just a second. Now, Lord, I have done the best I can in the time I have to speak your word to your people in the anointing of the word, not, not in the anointing of, of or the gifts or no, in the anointing and the entrance of your word. And so, God, I thank you right now for every person under the sound of my voice. 
And I pray, Lord God, that you would make us rich so that we could be generous on every occasion. And God, I pray that you would make us tithers in this place, tithers through this camera a tenth. That we would figure out what is our tithe. Let me give a tenth to God. Test you and see what will happen if we tithe. Pray for your anointing to rest on us. I pray for your power to fall on us right now. And that you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. If you heard a word from the Lord, put your hands together really quickly. All right, beloved. Normally at this time, I take up a second offering. It's our building fund offering. We're going to do that. But actually, beloved, I want to invite you to tithe today. If you're going to give an offering, it's because you already tithed. You already tithed, then you're going to give an offering. Maybe you can take this QR code and you can take a picture of it. You can give an extra 20, an extra 30, an extra 50 towards the building fund. God will bless you. But if after hearing this message today... You're saying, ah, okay, you feel the challenge. I want your faith to come alive, and I want you to give a tithe. If you did not tithe today, I want you to give a tithe. Figure out what you make and give God a tenth. Maybe you've never tithed before. I'm trying to tell you, try it. See what God will do. One of the things that's so interesting about tithing, it is very rare that a tither, folk call here all the time trying to get financial help. We're a mega church and one of the largest, probably the largest black church in the state of North Carolina. So folks think we have it and we can help folk. You can take that QR code. There's so many ways for you to give. You can watching online right now. This is where you get the word. This is where you get your inspiration. Then you have to give a tenth to the Melchizedek that impacts you. You need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand, one of the gatekeepers will come in and give it to you. But there's so many ways for you to give, but I don't want to just challenge you just to give. I want to challenge somebody to tithe today. To say, wow, I, I'm, I'm going to war. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm experiencing victory in this war. I'm going to give God a tenth. That means if you make $1,000, you give God a hundred. Don't shout me down for preaching too good. Make $100, you give God 10. That's a tenth. You make $1,000, you give God 100. You'll never be able to give God 100 if you couldn't give him 10. Well, I'll be able to tithe when I make $10,000. Thing about tithing off of $10,000 is it's $1,000. Tough to give God $1,000 if you never gave him 10. God said, test me and see if I won't bless you. We're the church. Tithing is, uh, I don't teach it as a law. I'm teaching it right now as a trait of Abraham. Abraham tithed. He gave a tenth of Melchizedek. Folk write in and call in and ask for help. And there are times when we do help people. But mostly we like to help people who serve and are faithful and who give. The thing that's interesting, though, is that we end up helping people that don't tithe, that don't give, because it's rare that tithers need help. 
I'm gonna make everybody clap for that. It's just rare. We do end up helping people that don't tithe because something happens when you tithe. Something happens when you're giving to God. Something happens when you get skin in this game. You put God in a situation in which, oh, he's got to bless you because you are a conduit through which you, he, he is blessing his church. You're right. God don't need your money. God don't need my, need my money. You're absolutely right. God does not need your money. But for the church to continue, for God's church to be what it should be, then you tithe. Can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. I want to challenge you to tithe today. I want to challenge you to tithe for the rest of the year and see what God does in your life and in your money and in your business. See how God moves. God will bless you in so many ways you won't even know. God will bless your child. God will bless scholarships will come. God will deliver somebody. God will heal somebody. I wish I had a witness. God will bless you in ways you can't track. We have to be careful, beloved, especially everyone watching around the world. You have to be careful that you don't just take the bread and the wine from Melchizedek and not pour anything back because you feed what feeds you. We live in a world in which we just want to get everything for free and want to watch every, everything on everybody else's password. But this ministry is supported by someone like you. This is where you get your bread, and this is where you get your wine. Then tithe and test God. See if he doesn't bless you. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray for this offering. God, we want to thank you for an opportunity that we have to give in this room and around the world. Thank you that we are of the seed of Abraham. Thank you that Abraham's blessings belong to us. Thank you that Abraham's traits belong to us. Thank you that Abraham's blessings are mine. Thank you, Lord God, for kings and queens under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord God, that we've talked today about money. We've talked about ways to make money. We've talked about ways to manage money. God, we're believing for home ownership for all of us. God, we're believing that you will take us to another level in our own individual selves. We're believing that there'll be no sick among us. There'll be no lame among us. We're believing, Lord God, that we will be as strong as our weakest member, and our weak members will become strong and our strong members will become super strong and then our strong members will become super strong and our super strong members will become extraordinarily strong and then our super strong members will become extraordinarily strong and our extraordinarily strong members will be uncountable strong. God will believe in strength in the room and around the world. Use us for your glory. Thank you for the vision that you've given us. Thank you for the work that we're about to do. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for sitting and being patient as I took up that offering. I appreciate it. There's some churches I preach in where the minute the preacher says amen, everybody just run right out the door. But it's okay. It's just a few minutes after 12. Hallelujah. Biscuitville's going to be open for at least two more hours. And so you can still get your sandwich. And so we've got so much stuff that's happening in the church and things taking place. Fellowship groups are going on. So that's something that's in your, in your bulletin. Men's fellowship and women's fellowship. 
fellowship and we're enrolling. Fellowship groups are enrolling in the lobby and it's just a one-time commitment. And uh, you can select a day and a time that fits your schedule. It's not preaching, it's not prayer, it's just fellowship. And uh, so if you're new to the area, new to the church, you feel like, well, I don't know anyone, then this is just some of the fellowship ways in which you can uh, get to know someone if you're in the church. If you're watching live around the area, you too can just connect right in, just send in a text. Oh my God, they'll connect with you. Men's fellowship, women's fellowship, it's not just a together thing. It also is broadcast through phones. And so we're finding ways to connect to all of our members, not just the folk that are in the room, but everyone that is a digital member with us, wherever you may be. We want to get Christ to you. And there's just always something happening with us. Keep us in prayer. We're getting closer and closer to breaking ground. Hallelujah. And uh, this Victory Park thing's going to happen. And I'm believing that God's going to work a miracle in our midst. And that uh, something that our eyes haven't seen and our ears haven't heard and our mind hadn't conceived. We're glad that you're with us today. Jump on your feet. Come on, let's, let's pray the benediction. God, we want to thank you for our time together. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Bless us. Keep us. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Favor on your people. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the visitors that were with us in the room. Thank you for the visitors that watch online. And God, we pray, as we always pray, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in your sight. But God, you're our rock. We are, you are our redeemer. And we love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming to church today. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in live with us today. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.